Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 302. Mm-hmm. Does that sound about right? It does. And uh, what is Zen Parenting Radio? It's a podcast where Kathy and I talk, and the results is you'll. Uh, the results are. The results is. The results are. The resulting in you feeling outstanding. Resulting in that you're going to feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, we're going to play a clip from uh, the Robcast. Uh-huh. Rob Bell is somebody whom we love. You told me about him. Are we going to say anything else about Rob Bell? No. Okay. And um, we're also going to talk about something that I learned through my coaching program uh, that I want to talk about called cross-generational coalition. So those are the two big things. But first, I want to bring this up because it's important. Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life, for so for all you people who live in Chicago, she's doing a women, wine, and wellness get-together on Thursday, April 21st at 6 o'clock. So that's this Thursday. That's this Thursday. So if you're interested, um, go to CairoTree.com and you can get all the information over there. So I think that's a fun thing for ladies, right? Yeah, she does it every year. Yeah. So anyways, um, quick thing. I was just at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. We're recording on a Sunday afternoon mm-hmm. because I got I got busyness tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And my non-Zen parenting moment of the day just happened at the grocery store. What'd you do? I didn't do anything. It was something I observed. Okay. So I'm at Jewel. Okay. And there's this like, whatever, he's a kid's like a year okay. and he's crying. And there's these two new parents who are trying the best they can, okay. but they just don't have the tools that we do, sweetie. Well, let's not compare him to us. What did they, what was it that you thought they should do? He was crying. The dad picked him up and said, bad boy. Oh. And he said, next time I'm going to leave you home by yourself. No. So here's the deal. Oh, babe. Where do I begin with this dad? First of all, I can't say anything because I'm not going to tell anybody how to parent their kids. I mean, we'll tell you guys because you're listening, oh. but I'm not going to interrupt the guy at the grocery store no, and say, dude, you dude can't do that. you're doing this wrong, even though. He's doing it wrong. Well, and let's say it, say it a different way. No, I want to say it my way. I know, but I know you do, but that it, that doesn't help him. Meaning to to make him feel bad about that doesn't help him. What you can do is there is a better way. Right. There Dude, is a there's way. There's a better way because you're doing it wrong. Jeez. Oh, there is a way that can be help him stay connected to his son, and his son can still learn, and the dad can walk away feeling like he did something valuable and important for his son versus. I'm going to call you a bad boy and I'm going to make you feel guilty for having a feeling because when you're, are you, are you sure the boy was one month, a year and a half? I don't know. He wasn't two. He was, he was in the thing. He was in the, where the kid sits in the grocery cart and he was a little guy. Right. And you know, most likely, because this is usually the case, that is what that man grew up hearing and it's what he's watched in his environment. So he doesn't know there's an, there's an option. And the, the key to any kind of parenting advice is not about making you right and other people wrong, but about saying, you know what? It does because I think he would probably say he doesn't feel good saying that to the person he loves the most. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't feel good to say to someone you love you're bad because we know that that's not the case. Right. So instead, it's um, and in that moment. Well, here's the deal. Mom was there, so this is what you do. Very simple solution: grab the kid, 
and get them out of the store. Right. That's it. Mom happened to be there. I mean, most of the time when these meltdowns happen, you're by yourself. So for goodness sakes, when you have the resources available to you, use them. Right. You know, we t- uh, at Women's Circle the other night, we were talking about expectations and just how expectations can be a real detriment. Because when we go in expecting something to be a certain way, we're being set up to be disappointed. Right. Because how often do things work out the way our brain thinks they should? I bring that up in this situation because a lot of times we'll say, we're going to go to the store. The three of us are going to be together. You know, we're going to put them in the cart. We're, there's already like this whole mindset of how this whole shopping trip should go. And people have a hard time letting go of that expectation. And instead, he would rather, you know, problem solve that moment so he can get back to, no, the three of us are going to shop. and Because, right. you know, like you said – Part of you is like, you know, just have mom take him out of the store. Well, dad's probably like, well, I don't know what we want at the store or vice versa. They were at the checkout. I mean, I know I'm getting these specifics. Okay. They're checking out. They were done. Oh, okay. So all you got to do, dad, is say is is take, pick up the kid and sit with him outside the store and let him have these feelings and hug him. And don't, you know, the kid's less than two years old. He's right. not understanding your words. He understands your energy and your energy is negative. Right. So just well, bring he, some positive. He understands the thing that happens in social situations is the parents, usually this is the case, the parents end up feeling so much social pressure to yeah. to make sure that everybody knows they are in control of their yeah, child. Exactly. And that's something, if there's anything that, that hopefully Todd and I can help anybody who's listening here let go of, is you're not supposed to be in control of another human being. What you can do with another human being is help them soothe. And what that means is, like Todd said, being calm yourself, getting them to a place where they can actually have an opportunity to calm down, and then being the calm presence that you're hoping they can be. You know, it's almost like you have to go zen, for lack of a better word, um, so they can calm down. Control, control. You must learn control. Yeah, that's right. Actually, Yoda. lack of control. You must learn to breathe. You must. You and and the and the thing that is important is there's so many um, learned behaviors that are in the way because we do worry about what other people are thinking about us, and they're not. The thing that I can tell you guys is they're not really thinking about you. They don't care. They no. want to get through the grocery store. There may be store. a handful of annoyed people there, but they don't know what's going on anyways. If if somebody's annoyed, they haven't been through it. Right. You know? Right. And, you know, and people who say, well, I do it this way, I do it that way, most likely. I was annoyed because the dad wasn't listening to our show or taking my advice because he's never heard of our show. Well, yeah. we. Can, I don't like to ever confront things with you're not doing it the way we're doing it because – you know, yeah, that's he, why you're you and I'm me. Well, I guess so. I just think that instead, it's let's give them, let's help people with the universal principles and see how their personality can infuse the universal principles and make that shift. Because no one is going to use the words I use. No one's going to use the words you use. I mean, maybe a little bit, but really, it's just about finding that calm in yourself. Right. And if you can find calm in yourself, you don't. Know, who cares how you're doing it? Well. I mean, you want to do it in a healthy way. Yeah, you just have to let it go. Yikes. I knew you were going to play this. You know what I mean? I know. It's the most played song on Zen Parenting Radio. That's right. And I want to play another sound clip, but I don't know which one will work. So, you know what, this guy at the grocery store, just come on down to our side. (laughs) That one was such a reach that that... Sweetie, you're a reach. You're a reach. One quick... um, out of nowhere uh, thing. Okay. 
not a good update, sweetie. No, it's not. Love. They were married for like a long time. Keep us together. The captain. The captain. And which one's captain, the guy or the girl? The guy with the captain's hat. And Tennille's the girl. Yes. Her, and who? Her name is Tony Tennille. Okay. So Tennille's her last name, I think. Yeah, they're getting divorced. I know. Stop. Really love. She doesn't really love him anymore. She's not thinking of it. Did anymore. Captain ever sing? I think he was like the musician, producer, like maybe background vocals. Whatever. Whatever. It was all about Tony. It reminds me of my my parents' house that I grew up in, uh-huh. and like it's when we all had ra- um, records. Uh huh. And that the, the bulldog was on that record. You remember Correct. the bulldog? Oh, they, that was their doggy. Oh, really? Yeah, that was theirs because he was on all the records. So a moment of silence for Captain and Tennille's marriage. I know. Well, it turns out that... I'm sorry, I didn't give it the moment it deserved. Sweetie, let's give it the moment. Did you read the article about them? No. Oh, well, it sounds like he wasn't... He They didn't have a very great intimate relationship. Intimacy. She was a little bit too forthcoming with things that probably were best. She's like 70 years old or something. I know. And and the thing is, is I I am... um, Supportive of her recognizing that, that their their relationship didn't have the intimacy. But I don't know about like going on the record with People Magazine about that. 39 years of marriage, down the tubes. It, but is it down the tubes, Toddy? Um, it's not down the tubes. It just, this is where it ends. But that wasn't 39 years of, of wasted time. It was important time, and they were Captain and Tennille, and now they're going to just be Captain. <laughs> and Tennille. And Tennille. Not with the and between. The Captain, and. Uh, period, <laughs> Tennille, period. Right. Captain. Space. Space, Tennille. Space. Did they have any other good songs? Yes, we have talked about them on the show because we played Muskrat Love. Muskrat. Don't you remember? I do. I mean, I don't remember the song, but I remember us playing that silly thing. Muskrat Susie and Muskrat Sam. And it's about a few muskrats that fall in love. Susie and Sam. They do the jitterbug in muskrat land. Ah, you little muskrat. You little muskrat. What's that from, sweetie? Johnny Dangerously. I know. We got to have a Johnny Dangerously show sometime soon. You know what? We we will because I was helping my parents clean out their house and yeah. their DVDs, and I found a Johnny Dangerously DVD, and I was pretty excited about it. You ought to be because that is one of the best movies of all time. No, that's a stretch. I think you're, you're reaching again, mm. I think. Because Johnny Dangerously is funny to us, but I doubt it would hold up for our children. A little like Wayne's World. There's all these clips, but some of them may not be appropriate. Yeah, I would be I miss the bus. You You miss miss the the bus. bus. Is that one there? Magna cum laude, summa cum laude, the radio's too loudy. (laughs) Espiritu Santo. Dear Gustavus. So long, Johnny. Me Gustavus. You You Gustavus. We miss the bus. (laughs) They miss the bus. Be brave, huh, Johnny? What's the next bus? Always, now. Some come loudy, Magna come loudy, the radio's too loud. <laughs> Not good audio, but um, gr- great nonetheless. How many people do you think have really seen that movie? All of our listeners. Do you think? Yes. I think that was kind of an under-the-radar film. And if you didn't, homework for tonight, rent Johnny Dangerously. Because it was probably Joe Piscopo's only movie that he ever made. It's an 88 Magnum. And it's uh, Michael Keaton mm-hmm. and Mary Lou Henner. That's right. And who else? Dick Butkus. And then Dick, Dick Butkus. And then the guy who was the main guy was the guy from Young Frankenstein. What was his name? Are you talking about the guy from Everybody Loves Raymond? Yes. What's yeah. his name? I don't know. But he is also from um, 
he was a, he was with Michael Keaton in another movie. Was he? Yeah, with Christopher Lloyd. There were a bunch of guys in the psych ward. You don't remember it. Clean and Sober? No, sweetie. That is a great movie, by the way. Yeah, that is a good movie. Not funny, but great. Yeah, that was his, that was when Michael Keaton had... He kind of has always had the serious, funny side. Love I dig Michael him. Keaton. Yeah, I, I like dig him. him, too. All right, so we're going to start with my stuff or your stuff? Go ahead. I mean, I think our stuff. Isn't it our? Well, you brought one thing to the table. I brought the other thing to the table. The oh, right. okay. Well, let me talk about this. Um, so if you guys don't listen to Rob Bell's podcast, I, I encourage you to do so. Yes, it's it's awesome. a very simple podcast. It's just kind of him with his computer, and he just talks. Um, but this season, he's had um, more guests. And his guests are so interesting. His podcast is called Robcast. Robcast. His guests are from all over the place. Like some of them are actors, some of them are musicians, some of them are theologians, some of them are authors, artists. It's it, it's a very eclectic mix, but they all end up pretty much talking about the same thing. And that is universal principles and love and connection and how we're all one. All the stuff that Todd and I believe in as, in, as well. And so... It just so happens that uh, um, Reverend Ed Bacon is a good friend of Todd and ours, and so we follow him and what he's doing. And a couple weeks ago, he had Richard Rohr um, at his church at um, All Saints. At All Saints. And by the way, our friend Ed retired from All Saints. I know. He's That's finishing a bummer up right for now. the people at All Saints, as far it, as I'm concerned. It is. But he, it's a good news because I actually I emailed him to say congratulations, and he said he's going to move closer to his grandchildren, and he is going to travel, and you know when it's he comes when he comes to Chicago, he'll come see us. So anyway, he um, had Richard Rohr at at um, his church, and we Todd and I both. It had, you knew him before too, right? Because he had been on Super Soul Sunday. We had talked about him yeah, before. Yeah, but you've always been saying, "Oh, you got to listen to this podcast." You know, like somebody you love says, "Oh, you got to listen to this podcast," and you like always intend to, but you never do. Well, I finally got around to listening to one of them, and it's when he interviewed Richard Rohr. Yeah. So anyway, he was he was on, and Todd said he actually sent it to me while I was on vacation. And said, "You got to listen to this. You'll love this." And basically, he and Rob Bell speak the same language. They literally have studied the same things, and they're able to like answer each other's, you know, finish mm-hmm. each other's sentences and it's just really uplifting and um and the moment that i love the most even though there's a few um starts at uh 37 sec 37 minutes so just play that okay here we go everything belongs and no one needs to be scapegoated or excluded evil and illusion only need to be named and exposed truthfully and they die in exposure to the light. To the light, yeah. That's what we called the Franciscan approach to prophecy, which we called soft prophecy. You don't harangue people. You don't shame people. You don't put. You just do it better. You just reveal ah. the light. You just go live a, a simple, happy life yourself, and that's your critique of a complex, unhappy life. You don't need to shame people. Good. That's it. So this is an 85-minute interview, and this is one of literally hundreds of ahas, amazing yeah. ahas. 
And the reason why I love this one is because I think this is one of the things that people confront me on the most. Um, And I don't have the eloquence that Richard Rohr has when explaining it, but people often will say, well, this person hurt me. Shouldn't I go after them? Um, This, this is, these people are doing something wrong. Shouldn't I fight them? Um, If you don't fight, then you can't win. There's a lot of, the whole concept of love and staying above it and um, really just going on with your life and, and making good choices instead of instead of fighting against somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that what he said is exactly, I mean, he's using, he, he puts it so well, the way that you confront evil and darkness is you do it better. You show up and live your life. Instead of pointing out other people why they're doing it wrong, exactly. you live your life as an example to yourself and to those around you. And that is a better means of of dissipating whatever perceived evil you see. Because, you know, Rob started by by saying, because he was actually reading these, these uh, a curriculum that Richard Rohr had written, and that's what Rob was was reciting. And his point is, is you, you still name it. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't walk around and pretend it's not there. See, that's the difference is people will say, well, something bad is happening. I'm not going to pretend it's not happening. You can acknowledge it's happening. You can even talk about it and cry about it and have feelings about it. But going after it and like going after it with the same anger and and viciousness that it's being given mm-hmm. does not help. Right. It's like it. you are basically just bringing anger to anger, viciousness to viciousness. Instead, you expose it. You name it. And this is what Todd and I always talk about with the idea, the, the whole practice of self Awareness in itself is a change agent because once you become self-aware about something, things are going to change. Yeah. Not because you set goals and you know, but because now you're aware it's been brought to the light. And then once that thing is spoken and brought to the light, then do it better. Instead of do it the way other people are doing it, just do it better. And you don't have to then, this is kind of an annoying thing to me, when people do it better and then they need to tell everybody else how they're doing it better. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about going on social networking network and saying, I meditated 20 minutes today and then I did this nice thing and then I gave $100 here. And that that's more like I'm doing it to get kudos for doing it. What I'm talking about is actually make choices in your own life that you wish other people would make in their life. Because too often we look around the world and we say, just like Todd said, look what you're doing, look what you're doing. I can't believe what you're doing. The world is so awful. I wish the world would change. And we're not being the change agent, change agents ourselves. We just do it better and that creates a ripple effect. And so I just liked the way he said it um, because I thought it was really gentle and um and made a, a complex idea very simplistic. So the quote that we've often seen on Facebook or whatever is Martin Luther King, Dark, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Correct. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. Correct. And that's kind of what we're saying here, right? When something awful happens, the best thing we can do is rise up in love. Mm-hmm. When When something tragic happens... The best thing we can do is come together and connect. The whole idea of something bad happened, now we're all going to get our pitchforks and Mm. go after this. I understand the feeling because I've had it and we all have it. It's called anger and it's called, um, you know, judgment and it's, you know, we think that there is a sense of justice in it. But the, the truth about justice is when we practice being in alignment and when we practice love and connection, it 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 becomes exposed right. 
like the justice is done in a more universal way. Well, what I was going to say is when we do take out our pitchforks, um, you know, that's kind of what the intention of whoever is providing the quote unquote evil in the first place is the minute that you take up your pitchfork, they've won. You're subscribing because to their behavior. They're doing they want egos like to fight with egos. That's right. Pain and, bodies like to fight with pain bodies. Right. So when you do that, you feel like, oh, I have to defend myself. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with defending yourself, but to attack somebody is something completely different. And we think that in order to win out, we must attack and defeat. And when we're actually saying the opposite. Yeah. You do it, live it, be better, not better. I'm a better human being than you are, but I'm going to live in a better way so then I can demonstrate to you. Thus, my point at the beginning of the conversation with the man in the grocery store, and I know you were being funny and you're not really going to like, you know, make this man feel bad, but let's just talk about it and demonstrate a different way for people and make it more accessible and mainstream. And then people can access it rather than shame people for making poor choices. Well, and in that moment, I didn't, obviously I can't, you know, role model no. behavior because I don't have a mm -mm. kid there, but I mm -hmm. could have like, you know, given the guy a dirty look, which I didn't do. I kind of, no. I kind of, I was sad for the boy, right? but I kind of like laughed like, oh, this guy just doesn't really know. Like, so it's not like I brought any anger towards the man, mm -hmm. even energetically, but I kind of like smiled like, yep, he doesn't get it. And maybe he will. I and hope he does. He will. And I think, well, maybe he will. I don't know that for a fact. But, you know, that whole concept of turn your pain into power mm -hmm. is, we talked about this today earlier, is when you see that you're pained for him and you're pained for the boy and yep. you're pained for the mom and yep. you're pained for that cycle that's being perpetuated. And so what we do then is you say, that gives me more motivation to do this show. Mm -hmm. This gives me more motivation to go out there and talk about these things, yep. not to preach them like follow me, be me, but honor people with, do you know there's another way? Well, and what's interesting is we've been doing this show for five years. So when we started, I'm 43 now, I was 38. Me too, yeah. And so I was still kind of, and we had a three-year-old. Mm -hmm. So, but now that I'm kind of easing into that second phase of parenting, we have a kid who's eight, a kid who's 11, and a kid who's 13. Five years ago, I didn't feel like I deserved or earned the ability to kind of advise anybody on anything. But now for some reason, when I see these young couples and I see that them making the same mistakes that I made when I was, when I was at the grocery store with, you know, an infant, um, I just like, I, I finally feel like I can very authentically say, that's not the way to do it. Right. You have something to offer if they ask. Right. But if they don't open the door, you don't shove it right. down Right. But doors. what I did was I used this man's example because there might be somebody listening Correct. right now who yes. does the exact same thing because yes. he or she doesn't know any better. Right. And yeah, and on a very simple note with the thing that you said, you know, that he said to him, bad boy, the whole concept of bad boy, bad girl. You really want to be careful with that language because their behavior and their choice maybe was not great. Because what will happen is that kid will start internalizing, I am a bad boy, and he's not. And I think where you're going is we always say that wasn't a good choice or something right. like that. And there's a big difference between bad boy and that wasn't a good choice. Right. Well, and why that's there's a big difference between that is because your child is not a bad boy. Your child is somebody who is a child who has, has not had enough experience in the world to know what a good choice and a poor choice. They're, they're feeling out, yeah. what do I do? 
And so to say to them, you are being bad, that they don't know how to process that because really what they end up thinking, as you said, Todd, is I am not worthy. I am not good. And, you know, and then we end up praising them for things that are often beyond their control, you know, like, oh, you know, what is good. You know, you're so beautiful. You look this way. You have this ability. And they didn't really earn earn those things. And so then they don't know how to, quote unquote, be good. You see how the cycle begins. So these are the little things. Like sometimes we say, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just a word. Well, the little things are the big things. The little things are the big things. And and at the same time, back going backwards, you can do the same thing. Little things can make a huge difference. If you start changing your tone, if you start changing when you talk about things, if you start changing your words, your children's behavior begins to change. So the little things do mean a lot. Right. So the the next thing I wanted to talk about in terms of this Richard Rohr interview is something he said that I thought was so interesting and profound, and I'm probably going to talk about this a lot um, in my future presentations. He was explaining how he was just working with um, a neurobiologist around why we aren't more happy, okay? Why it takes so much for us to recognize goodness and why we hear one negative thing or have one negative experience and then perceive the world in that way. And what he found out from this neurobiologist, this is research now, is that our brains, when our brains experience something negative, it sticks immediately. Like I'm snapping my fingers. It's like our brains are Velcro. Yeah. And when something negative happens, it imprints on our brain. And this is most likely an evolutionary thing. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, again, a survival mechanism, something that our brain needed way back when to keep us safe. The interesting thing is when something good happens, when when we have a good experience or we see something uplifting, it takes our brain 15 seconds for that good experience to imprint in our brain. So the example he gives in the podcast is that's why when we like go to a fair or a carnival or a circus or something like that, we can spend the whole day there. But if we aren't conscious, if we aren't allowing, if we're not savoring that moment, we can walk all day, leave the circus and feel like crap Mm. or be angry because our car is far away. So we're annoyed about the negative thing and we have completely missed all the positive. I found this so cool because it explains so well why the negative, like why you can get, like for example, Todd, let's say we get 10 emails about Zen parenting in a day. We get a lot of emails. We can get nine amazing five-star I love you emails. And if we get one- Travis. Yeah, that was like from five years ago. Yeah, we had a, we got a review early on. We've literally had, I don't know how many reviews. I could pull it up, but hundreds of reviews. And we've had a few mediocre and one bad one. And the guy's name yeah. was Travis. Yeah, he didn't think we were Zen. And the fact that I know that guy's name, but I don't know anybody right. else's name. He is Velcro. The negative sticks- and the positive in le- – but here's the good news. It's not that the positive can't stick. It's that we have to learn how to be mindful and savor it. So his example was when you – and I did this today at JC's lacrosse game because I had Cameron on my lap and I was kind of like braiding her hair. When you are having an experience that's really enjoyable, like – we were outside today. We were sitting by some of our really good friends. JC was playing a sport. Cameron was on my lap. It was 75 degrees. And I just did that whole like, I'm going to notice what's happening right now. Take it in and just like kind of notice the way Cameron's hair felt. I practice mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And 
I feel that's the practice of allowing those positive things to imprint on your brain. And you pick those up almost like collector's items. Like I am having a good moment right now, so I am going to integrate it and imprint it. And that gave me like a tool. Like instead of like, gosh, I wish I'd remember what a good time this was or darn, I didn't enjoy that day. I am going to practice imprinting it. And I think what you're saying is the um, process of imprinting is to be present or mindful. Savor. So being somebody who is more black and white than you are, Mm -hmm. like what would you say to me? Like, okay, so does that mean I... You braided Cameron's hair, like you. T- but you also talked about fifteen seconds, like. And I didn't count. No, I know, but right. but are you saying, um, you know, if you catch yourself in an in a, in a mode of appreciation for whatever it is, the sun on your face, or you're braiding your daughter's hair, like, and it's not like you want to count, but what's the magic? What's breathe. the fifteen seconds? Breathe. Fifteen seconds. Breathe. Notice, like I said, use all your senses. I could feel her hair in my hands mm-hmm. because normally I'd be braiding her hair, listening to you guys talk, watching the game, drinking my iced tea. I'd be do. I'd be multitasking, and it wouldn't mean anything. And I was like feeling her hair. I could smell outside. I was taking in all with all of my senses, you know, breathing and smelling and holding and and. And 15 seconds is nothing. Yeah. That's like maybe, you know, each breath, if you're doing them very mindfully, can be about three seconds because yeah. you're not going, <laughs> yeah. you know, so you can, so you maybe you do like three or four deep breaths and, you know, how, you know, I think your next question would be like, how do we know if it imprinted? Right. I don't know. Right. You know, like I don't well, really I'm, know. What I was going to say is um, I'm wearing my Thich Nhat Hanh shirt yeah, today. Yeah, you are. I like that. And in one, I think it's pieces every step. But in that book, he says, when you're washing the dishes, wash, wash the, the dishes. dishes. Right. When you're braiding Cameron's hair. Braid her hair. Braid Cameron's hair. Don't drink your iced tea. Don't listen to our conversation. Just sit in it. And that's like, that's a very mindful mindset or, you know, Buddhist or Zen or whatever it is. But if you can do that, like that's, well, I'm not good at that. Three things are happening, in my opinion, when you do that. Number one, you're enjoying the experience more. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing is just in that present moment, you're like, this is joy or whatever word, contentment, calm, whatever word you want to call it. The second thing that's happening is you are imprinting it on your brain where you're going to have a memory of it because yeah. so often we don't, especially as we get older, we've had so many experiences, our brain is changing, we're so in constant autopilot that we don't retain memories as easily. So you're going to retain it as a memory. The third thing that's going to happen is you're going to change the neural pathways in your brain because you're going to slow down enough where your brain starts noticing the good. And we know, again, through research, through Sean Acor's research or through John Kabat-Zinn's research, I could, you know, we could Mm -hmm. name so many. This is science. This This is is not lovey-dovey stuff. We know that if you practice mindfulness and you do take in moments, then your brain changes. It's neuroplasticity. So instead of focusing on negative things, you start to see positive things. So those are three pretty amazing shifts Mm -hmm. in just breathing for four, you know, four times deeply. You're doing three very amazing things. So um, with that said, I really enjoyed that new piece of research. And um, I will, like I said, I think I'll talk about that in presentations because it's very it's research-based, but it's also very doable. Well, I kind of like, you know, like I said, I'm more the logical and practical, but I love the fact that he brought up 15 seconds because if we didn't have that as, for lack of a better term, a goal, it would be just be present. I'm like, great. For how long? Be present. For how long? Like, 
there's no, 15 isn't the magic number, but at least I have something to work off of. Maybe it's three conscious breaths. Maybe it's 15 seconds, whatever it is. I just kind of like some focused direction as opposed to when, when you're washing the dishes, wash the dishes. Like, I know, I know, but how do I attain that? And maybe like there's a mental guide, like, okay, 15 seconds, that's three conscious breaths. Well, and it brings together the two sides of ourselves because you, you know, that's what research about mindfulness and about any of these things that tend to be a little more difficult or less tangible is research does help us frame it and give us some language. You know, like there's literally positivity research now, happiness research now, mind, you know, so they give us a framework. So for those of us who are really just starting out and, you know, I don't understand this. Okay. 15 seconds. And then you start to realize you don't need to count and Mm. it becomes more natural or you realize that presence is just the act of catching your Self not being present. Right. It almost becomes opposite where, um, you know, so, so many books and so much discussion about mindfulness is like, just be there, just be there, just be there. And to your point, it's difficult for our brains to be present all the time. Right. So really what you're doing is you are recognizing when you're not. And especially when your child is having a difficult time or you're going through a difficult time or vice versa, when you're having a joyful moment, mm. That's when you can bring in presence, even if it's for a little bit. Yeah. Maybe you can't hit 15 seconds. Maybe hit seven. Seven's better than nothing. It's a practice. Um, Our second partner, sweetie, is John J. Kelly Dentistry, Comprehensive Dentistry. And you can find out more about John J. Kelly at chicagodentistonline.com. But uh, he's a smile engineer. I know. And he's really good at what he does. So um, check him out. are we done with Richard Rohr and yes, Rob Bell? Yes. Okay. I want to, because um, we, I, I want to talk listeners' questions instead of sure. my topic. Sure. Um, depending on how it goes. So this is question number one. You ready? Yeah. I've been listening to your podcast for the last couple of months and appreciate your insights. I was wondering if you could direct me some good resources to help me. I'm a mom of a three-year-old and a one-year-old, wife to a great husband and a physician assistant. I work 32 to 34 hours a week at a busy family practice. I'm having a hard time with the work-life balance. Okay. I do have a great situation. I've been implementing conscious parenting changes, which I love. I just still feel out of balance and I'm not sure what to do. Do you know any good resources, books, podcasts, blogs that may be helpful? Uh, could it be the wrong career, the wrong location? I need to take time off work. I know no one can answer these questions but me. I just need some direction, I think. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think first of all, we're set up for some failure when we think there's really a balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the idea that we're going to get to a place where we're like, okay, now I'm comfortable right. is not honest because that's not really possible. What work-life balance means is am I being conscious of my choices in the moment and there are days that I stay at work a little longer, there's days that I go home early or there's am I appreciating the schedule that I have, am I being cognizant of the choices I'm making because every day is going to be different. There's never going to be a time when you go, I've achieved it, right. I've got it. You know, it's it's really, you know, to her question, the comments at the end, like am I in the right career, Am I that I that's so your own knowing. Yeah. Like there is no simple answer to that. I am reading right now um, a book by Anne Marie Slaughter, uh, and I think it's called, gosh, I can't even remember. Todd, look up Anne Marie Slaughter um, okay. because the cover of her book is just a post it that says women, men. And I am, she used to be um, 
she used to work with Hillary Clinton, and basically she was at one point a uh, tenured professor. Unfinished and business? That's it, unfinished business. She was a tenured professor, as was her husband, and so she felt like she had a pretty good work-life balance. And then she ended up going to work. She got more political, and she worked with Hillary Clinton, and she was traveling, going to D.C. all the time, and talk about balance being thrown off right when her children were in their teenage years. And here's the interesting thing. I was just talking with my girlfriend, Noreen, about this the other night. When your children become like pre-adolescent, adolescent teenagers, they actually need you around more. Yeah. So we get this idea that, oh, with their toddlers, when they're babies, I'll be home. And then after that, I can do whatever I want. Yeah, it's, the, the toddler years aren't necessarily more or less important, but we have this perception of once they can make their own lunch and they come home from school and they can make their own dinner. Then I can come home at eight at night. Right. When in fact, it's you might argue it might even be more important that you get your that you're more connected to your kids. Exactly, that's a good way to say. When it. they don't, the, the tricky part is they don't want the same connection as they did when they were two, and I think that's why we get thrown off as parents. Yeah. Because my 13 year old doesn't want me to be around, or I ask a question and they don't answer, or they give me one word answer, so we just think they they don't need us. Right, and that doesn't mean you can't work. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the whole idea of that they need me when they're young, they don't need me in the teen years. They do, and even if it's that you're at work and you're you're maintaining a text relationship and you're checking where the, you know it, it's just they don't they're not ready to be on their own fully yet, right. you know? So what she's talking about in the book, though, is not just that, that she, but how in our society, we have not valued the caregiver role, that the whole, it, not just we haven't honored parents, we don't honor teachers, we don't honor social workers, we don't honor people, therapists who are in the role of t- nurses. Mm-hmm. I could go on, yeah. you know, the people who care for people in our society somehow don't get the respect that they deserve. And why that's important is because the workplace is set up for business. And when you bring in, oh, well, I need to get home early because my kids are going to be home or whatever, all of a sudden you look like a slacker. Well, that's because in our society, we measure success by how much money we make. Right. And when you are a teacher making, you know, your first salary is whatever, X amount of dollars a year, you're not valued. Right. I, I mean, it's messed up. But that's how it is. Or if you're a full-time mom or a full-time dad, you don't get paid to do that. So how, how valuable could it be when, in fact, it's the most valuable thing you could be doing? And this is also coming out of the whole gender equality issue because – you know, when it used to be so traditional and so divided, mom was home, dad was out working, there was a sense of simplicity to it. I'm not saying it was equal and I'm not saying it was fair or that it was good. I'm just saying it was like that was how it was divided. And now that we're finding, you know, our society is becoming more equal, we still have a ways to go, but we're getting there. Now it's like, okay, how is this going to play out? I was actually um, very invested, as you guys who've been listening know, um, in the OJ um, show on FX. Juice. People versus O.J. Simpson. And the reason I was so invested in it is because I was very interested in Marsha Clark. And mm-hmm. I very much appreciated seeing her story play out, so much so that while I was on vacation, I read her autobiography and loved it. Um, she just became kind of like a, a, a symbol to me of a woman in a man's world, literally, where there is actually a point in the case where she was going through a divorce she had two boys at home, and there was a day where they decided it was actually the the dream team was actually throwing stuff at them, kind of like things they weren't 
they, you know, they weren't aware of. And Judge Ito said, well, we're just going to have to stay late and, and work through this. And she stood up and said, you know, Judge, I, I have to leave by a certain time because I have kids at home. And everyone kind of snickered and was laughing because it's all men. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have that kind of thing. So then the next day when she came back for court, Johnny Cochran actually stood up and said, you know, I'd like to present such and such. That's if you know, Mrs. Clark can like deal with her childcare issues. And then she stood up and gave this like amazing, empowering speech of that. Yeah. You know, she, she totally held it together and was like, none of you men mm-hmm. know what it's like yeah. to work full time yeah. and also be in charge of childcare. None of you have experienced what I experienced. And to throw that in my face during a court proceeding yeah, is was, uncalled yeah, for. Yeah, it was a goosebump, a goosebump moment. And it was a real moment. Yeah. Like it was straight from her book, yeah. you know? So my point in saying that is that when you're like, I'm looking for work-life balance, my question is, and, and I'm not trying to throw your partner under the bus. This is not about it's his problem. But do you think he's thinking about work-life balance? Like that would, and, and that's a discussion to have with him is I think men feel more capable of going out in the work world and doing a 24-7 job and not feeling as if, they need to be, you know, do I need to consider that? And I think women are still kind of working through, well, I want to work, I need to work, and when do I need to be home, and what kind of caregiver do I want to be? And and again, it, it, it's not to make this your husband's problem. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you guys need to come together and figure out what the balance will be in your home together. I have two resources. Okay. We interviewed Amy Rogers. Yes. Um, and that is at zenparentingradio.com slash Duffin. That's her last name. Yes, Amy Duffin. D-U-F-F-I-N. And then we also interviewed Bridget Schulte. Oh, that was a great interview. And that's zenparentingradio.com slash Schulte. And that's... Actually, I think I misspelled her name in the web browser address thing. It's S-H-U-L-T-E. I think that's the incorrect spelling of her it's name. It's actually, it's S-C-H-U-L-T. Right, but I screwed it up and I put it at zenparentingradio.com slash Schulte, S-H-U-L-T. it's like last week when you wrote emotional hygiene yeah, instead well, of hygiene. I was just making sure that you were paying attention. Well, Todd, I am very like... I'm as a writer and Todd's a writer too, but he doesn't care. He doesn't care as much about grammar and spelling as I do. So I get on his case because once you see emotional hyene, people may be like, oh, if they can't spell it right. You don't spell it, son. You eat it. That's right. (laughs) So going back to your question about resources, Bridget Schulte's book is called Overwhelmed. It talks about exactly what you're talking about, that work-life balance and does it even exist yeah, and what does it mean? That was, that was a great book and a good interview. Anne-Marie Slaughter's book that I'm reading right now that's called Unfinished Business. I would also recommend Tara Moore's book called Playing Big. We interviewed her twice. Yep. So if you look up- Just um, Google Zen Parenting Radio, Tara Moore, you'll find it. These women are, are tra- like, it, they're also interesting because Tara Moore is using more of a, um, a really individual approach and- Bridget Schulte is a writer for the Washington Post, so hers is a more researched approach. And then um, this book, Anne-Marie Slaughter, her, her book is a very personal experience. And then she did research to kind of you know, confirm. Be- confirm. Yeah. So it, there is no answer to give except that you're not alone and that we're all kind of searching for what feels good. But the truth is, it's different every day. Right. And the question is, are you doing what you want to be doing? And if you're not, is there a way to do what you could be doing? And is your guilt based on what you think you should be doing on like an old traditional, you know, kind of uh, 
what am I trying to say? And a traditional like uh, family situation where you feel like you should be at home more, or is it based on that you really don't like the work you're doing and you wish you didn't have? You know, it's it's so individual. Um, so that's uh, it. Thank you, sweetie. Um, three reviews. I'm not going to read them all, but um, somebody named Grandma Marie. Now I have a Grandma Marie, that's but Grandma Marie. I don't think it's my Grandma Marie because I don't think she knows how to get on iTunes. Okay. But Grandma Marie from the USA gave us a nice review. I think she gave us five stars. So thank you, Grandma Marie. Um, also got a nice review from uh, MDIX1. He or she says, I just got exposed to Todd and Kathy's show and I'm enjoying. My wife is due in just a few weeks and we're happy to be discovering new parenting re- resources like this one. I've just listened to one episode, but I'm enjoying Kathy and Todd's honest rapport. Nice. Amazing. And then um, another dad says, I'm a father of five who always wanted to be a father, but once I had them, I realized I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, welcome to the club. Join the club. (laughs) I had a wonderful father figure, but my mother had an abusive childhood and her parenting style reflected her upbringing. Mm. In turn, my parenting style reflects hers, yelling, physical punishment when things got difficult or stressful, which is most of the time when you have five kids under 11. This podcast has helped me realize my shortcomings, embrace my strengths, stay grounded, spread love, and has given me insight into what I feel and act the way I do. Kathy and Todd have equipped me to better deal with difficult parenting situations as well as make mundane day-to-day interactions with my kids meaningful and enriching to them and myself. Absolutely changed my life and the life of my family. Oh, my goodness. That's a wonderful wonderful story. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. And I think it's from C.Kuhn. Well, believe. and I will say to you, C, since you know that's the first initial, you're doing it. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you listening to the show, but you already knew inside. I, I mean, I feel like that's that whole comment is like a, a whole therapy session because really you understood where it was coming from, yep. why yeah, your he's, mom he's done some work you dealt with tell. that, and your own self awareness, and then how you want to do it differently. So beautiful. So um, if you're interested in helping us out, you could share our Facebook posts or you can give us a review or you could tell a friend about our podcast or I'm a life coach and I am looking for another client or two to kind of further my practice. How many clients are you taking, my love? Because you have like 12 jobs. Chill, Will. It's all good. I know. It's all good. I only have two right now. Okay. He's really good. So I highly recommend him. But as his wife, sometimes I'm like, dude, you got so many jobs. It's cool man yes it's cool don't worry be happy be happy all right um our last partner sweetheart yes is jeremy Kraft. yes bald-headed beauty he's a bald-headed beauty and he does painting and remodeling throughout the chicagoland area and his website is avidco a-v-i-d-c-o dot net correct so that's another thing you can do to help us out is support our partners if you are looking for any of those services so and uh, I think that's kind of it. Do, nothing we want to promote, right? Uh, not right now. All right. I think we're all good. Um, so with that, I think we'll do some words of wisdom. Oh, to me? Well, to you and then to me. Well, I'll say that it's still Kindness Month and we're just, you know, posting stuff on our page. And last night we hosted the Finding Kind. Um, we didn't actually, wrong word. We did not host. We did the Q&A and York High School and two students are the ones who hosted it. Um, but, you know, we're trying to focus on being more kind and how we can be more kind and why kindness is important. So I'm going to say, go out there and do something kind today. Do something that you would normally do. Go out of your way and recognize how it feels. And I'm going to say, um, before you try to keep up with the Joneses, yeah, be sure they're not trying to keep up with you. Huh. <laughs>
That's an interesting one. Yeah, it's kind of a money thing, but I'm too lazy to talk about the money part of it. So you're going to say that quote, not explain what it means. I'm going to keep my our listeners thinking. Okay. Sounds good. What's that mean to you? Journal about that. Yeah. All right, guys. Oh, we're out of music. Oh, look at that. It's like radio silence. That's because usually I do keep trucking, but I extended my words of wisdom. Crickets. Do you have any cricket sounds? I do. Let's this is kind of like the end of uh, Ferris Bueller. He's yeah. like, you're still here? Go home. It's over. It's over. No, that's cuckoo. Um. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, here we go. No, that's not no, it. I don't have any crickets. You don't have any crickets? Where, where are my crickets? You gotta uh, have some crickets. None? No. Okay. Here we go. Failure is not an option. Well. It's not. It is an option because we do fail, so I don't agree with that. It is an option. Will somebody get the shit a happy meal? Is <laughs> <laughs> that the person from yeah, Jewel? That's the Jewel guy. Okay. Yes? Yeah, I'm registered in this class. What class? This is U.S. history. See the globe right there. Really? Hey. May I come in? Oh, please. I get so lonely when I hear that third attendance bell oh, ring and all my kids are not here. Uh, Spicoli. Great. All right. See you guys. Okay. Have a good week. Bye. Thanks for listening, folks. Hope you felt outstanding. So there's some different ways you can support us. Um, one of them is by asking either Kathy or myself or maybe both of us to speak at your next event. Or you can also tell a friend about our podcast. If you ship Amazon, go through the link on zenparentingradio.com first. It doesn't cost you anything, but Zen Parenting will get a small commission. You can also buy any of Kathy's three amazing books through Amazon or our homepage. And if you're like me and you want to teach your children personal financial management, then use FAMZOO. It's an amazing resource. It's a virtual family bank that will set your children on a path towards financial freedom. Click on the link on the lower right-hand side of our homepage to learn more. And if you're a Chicago guy and want to learn more about The Tribe, the men's group that I lead, go to thetribemensgroup.com. Do you want to grow your business by partnering with us? Shoot me an email. And you can also give us an iTunes review. Lastly, you can subscribe to our podcast through our homepage or iTunes directly. This will guarantee you're up to speed on the latest and greatest of Zen Parenting Radio. You can always send me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com and I'll be happy to get back to you as soon as I can. Finally, we're thankful for all your support and encouragement and always remember that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Keep trucking. Thank you.